I'm Tatum. And I'm Corey. And welcome to the Runners of Fort Collins. This is your connection to all the people and places that make Fort Collins a great place to both live and run. Every episode, we'll be sharing a PB&J with a local runner and getting the scoop on all things running in our community. So on this episode of the Runners of Fort Collins, we're going to talk about a race that is very near and dear to me and Tatum. Um, it is a race that we competed in last year and it was our very first trail race. And I think we would both say it's where we fell in love with trail running. Um, so this race is called Run the Red, Run the Red Desert. Um, and it, take pl- it takes place, as you might guess, in the Red Desert. You probably don't know where that is. Most people don't. It's in southwest Wyoming. Um, we start in South Pass City, which is this tiny old mining town. If you go there, there's a population sign that says two and a half. It might have been updated to 4.5 since 4. the last 5. time we were there. They've seen a 50%. No, I'm bad at math. 100%, 100%? population increase in the past year. Wow. So you start in this old mining town, um, and then you run through uh, the Red Desert, which is this enormous expanse of land. Um, and the reason they chose this area is because they are working to preserve this land. It's the largest unfenced area in the continental United States. Um, and there's currently pressure from the oil and gas industry um, to open this land up to mining. So part of what this race is doing is advocating for this land and trying to show people what's so special about it. Yeah, and in order to help those conservation efforts, Patagonia released a like short documentary about this land and this race. Um, they've cleared unfenced. It's called Unfenced. Thank you. Yeah, it stars Claire Gallagher, who's this, you know, trail running legend. Um, But it's a really cool documentary because it highlights trail racing, but it also highlights, you know, the conservation efforts that are central to run the Red Desert trail races. Cool. So the race takes place um, usually the last weekend of September, um, and they have three distances that runners can compete in. There's the half marathon, the 50K, and the 100K. Yeah, sweet. So how this podcast episode is going to work is we have some interviews for y'all. So... Let's travel up uh, northwest. <laughs> I don't know if I want to Yeehaw. do that. Yeehaw! <laughs> Yeehaw! Let's, let's get started. Yes, we love it! Welcome Woo! back to South Pass! We love it! Yeah! So as Corey mentioned, the shortest distance in this you know, series of races is the half marathon. The half marathon runners were the first victims that we pounced on to interview. The first interview we have is with Tucker Russell, who is a local South Pass City resident. Um, He ran the half marathon. He actually won the half marathon with a time of one hour, 47 minutes and 22 seconds, which is actually the new course record. So it was super exciting to get to talk to him. Let's hear what he has to say. All right. So Tucker came in first for the half marathon today. Um, I'm curious, was it your goal to win the half marathon? If not, did you have any specific goals going into the race? Uh, Was not the goal. I just wanted to go faster than 210 because I thought that would be really tough and it was, but yeah, so I just did way better than I thought it would. Awesome, and it seems like you crushed that 210 mark. You came in at, what, an hour 45? Yeah, yeah um, I did a lot better than I thought I would. It's just, uh, I thought it was going to be a really tough course, and it was, and I just got to go faster, I guess, than I thought I would. Cool, awesome. And are you from Wyoming? I grew up in Lander. Um, my family has a cabin up here at South Pass, so I spent a lot of time up here. Cool, that's super exciting. My next question was going to be what made you want to run Run the Red? Perhaps that's the connection, but if you want to elaborate, feel free. Yeah, so the connection's definitely having grown up here and 
I just like half marathons. They're like the perfect distance for me. Not too far, not too short. Um, but yeah, being growing up here made me want to run this race. So that's really cool. That seems super special. Um, have you run lots of half marathons in the past? Uh, not a crazy amount, but I always do the horse tooth half because that one's really fun. I live in Laramie, so I go down to Fort Collins and do that every year. Awesome! I actually did that one this this year too. It's so fun! It's really fun. Yeah. I thought it was so cool how he spent some time growing up in South Pass City. I was not expecting that when I interviewed him, but, you know, I wish I asked a little more about that, but the heat of the moment just got to me. Yeah, <laughs> being in such a celebrity's presence. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so a, a couple of pretty cool and unique things he's accomplished setting the course record and also being a resident of South Pass City. Not many people can say they've done either of those things. Yeah, and the half marathon course is pretty difficult. There's about 2,000 feet of elevation gain, is that about right? And it's also long, so it's probably more like 14 miles, which makes his time and his course record even more impressive. Yeah, what was it that the race director said if you complained about the half marathon being long? Then, <laughs> then he said he'd DQ you, so no complaints <laughs> to the race director. <laughs> Next up, we have another interview with more Wyoming locals. Um, these are two women who completed the half marathon. They came in to the finish line at about the same time. I thought they were friends because of that, but they're not. Um, <laughs> either way, um, they had some really awesome things to say. They're fast friends. They're fast friends. Hopefully <laughs> friends after the race. Yeah. I love making friends during trail races, personally. Yeah, it leaves like the perfect time, too. You're out there struggling with one another. You're not moving so fast that you can't talk. Yeah, I feel like... I'll end up like running by someone for a little bit and then eventually I'm just like, hey. <laughs> I wonder if they did that. Maybe I forced them to do that with the podcast, but hopefully they did beforehand. Cool. So let's take a listen at their interview. Just a heads up, it was a pretty windy day. And Which just means there's another day in Wyoming. Yeah, no surprise there if you're from Wyoming or have spent time in Wyoming. Um, anyway, here's our interview with Celia and Asia. Um, so I see you both ran the uh, half marathon today. Um, did y'all have any goals coming into this race? three goals. One was to finish, two was to not trip and fall, and three was to not get lost. How did all three of those go? <laughs> Accomplished them all. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what about you? I didn't know what to expect, so I was just out here having fun. Yeah. So what brought y'all to Run the Red? Are you from Wyoming? Did you, I don't know, how did you hear about this race? Um, I live in Lander, and I heard about it from a friend of mine that's running the 50k, and Aaron Townbody was coming here for the for the race, and so I was like, oh, that sounds exciting. I'll like jump in, and maybe we'll get to hang out then. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. What about you? Uh, I live in Casper, Wyoming, and so we had a group that came, which is fun. Super fun. Yeah. So did y'all know each other before? I saw you finished kind of close. No. No. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for letting me interview both of you. Um, so what, to, I guess I know an important part of this race is kind of like celebrating the Red Desert. Have y'all like heard of the Red Desert before? And if so, does it like mean anything special to you? Um, yeah, the Red Desert, I think is like a really special place. I feel like living in this area, the mountains get a lot of hype and the rivers get a lot of hype, but there's something really special and beautiful about the desert. There's like, it's just so open and like the sagebrush and it just feels like, it feels so like home Wyoming to me. Yeah. Sweet, awesome, thank you. I've heard about the race, but I have not been here. I've been to Lander, Pinedale, so it's kind of fun going here. I didn't realize this was here. So it was unbelievable, beautiful. I think it is very special. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and nice job, both of you, on the race today. Um, is there anything else you want our listeners to hear? It's very windy. <laughs> <laughs> very windy. I'm wondering if people can hear it through the microphone. <laughs> nice job. Thank you both yeah. for the interview. Yeah, of course. <laughs> 
Um, I thought this was a really lovely interview from them, especially at the end talking about the magic of the desert and how it just feels iconic Wyoming. And I think part of what's really cool about this race is it's highlighting um, the specialness of this area that a lot of people would just drive through otherwise. Yeah, there's a book by Terry Tempest Williams called Refuge, and a huge theme of that book is how the desert is so immensely beautiful, but gets so overlooked as nothingness. Um, so I really appreciated that insight, right? Things like mountains and rivers get so much attention. You know, unless you're super acquainted with the desert, you don't often sit and think about how beautiful it is. But this race really highlights the beauty, and I adore that. Yeah. So the whole time that, you know, folks were coming in, finishing their races, and while I was interviewing people, Corey was actually running the 100K. So she was out in the middle of the desert, still running this whole time. <laughs> so, Corey, I'm curious, how did it feel, you know, you were there towing the start line at like five in the morning. How did it feel knowing that you had an entire day of running ahead of you? Well, to be honest, I woke up and had to poop really bad. <laughs> we were camping there the night before, and... um. Uh, when my alarm went off at 4 a.m., my stomach was just, like, doing somersaults. Um, and I, my main goal in that moment was to get to the race starting line and find a bathroom. <laughs> um, so we drove down there, and I, like, got my number, and they took a photo of me, and there's just so many things I had to do before I could actually get to the bathroom. So that's all I was thinking about. <laughs> and then uh, when I came out of the bathroom, they... We're explaining, they're giving instructions because it was like five minutes before the race was starting. <laughs> um, and then I got terrified. Um, my partner, Preston, he was there and he was so nice to drive me down at four in the morning and um, was standing there with me. And I wanted so badly to just stay there with him. And I don't know, just the thought of running off into the darkness with all these random people in an area that I wasn't familiar with was like really terrifying. Um... But as soon as things started, it was fun. <laughs> the gun went off and then, you know, everyone's just in this like little crew and you're all like running together. And in the first like 400 meters, there's a bog crossing, <laughs> which is kind of infamous now. Mm -hmm. But pretty much it was up to the, my knees and up to some people's waist, probably. Um, especially if they were towards like the end of the group because the mud was starting to get pushed oh. down. So it's like you've just started the race and it's dark and it's cold and then you go through this freezing water no. and your feet are soaked and it's just like a baptism, like you're being initiated into the race. Um, and then we're just all kind of like running in a little group and I felt really secure and comfortable there just looking around at the other people and being like, okay, we're all in this together. And not to mention the stars are the most beautiful I've ever seen them. Like the Milky Way was above us and you could see it in like such uh, intense detail and I was just running and then every couple minutes I would try and look up at the Milky Way and like not trip or anything um, and honestly that was probably my favorite part of the whole race I like looking behind me too mm. and seeing everyone else with their little headlamps on oh. they all look like stars um, so I really liked the beginning I liked running in the dark and then watching the sky um, turn to daytime and the sunrise and everything was pretty I ended up having to uh, poop during the race, too. And so <laughs> at sunrise, I, I took a dump in front of a bunch of cows. <laughs> is that okay to say on air? <laughs> I think, yeah. That's what trail running is like, people. <laughs> I was just thinking of that photo that Alexi Papa's put on her Instagram the whole time. I was like, mm. if Alexi does it, I can do it, too. <laughs> oh, when I was working at Camp Timberline, we would have this rating system for um, how good your poops were in the wilderness. <laughs> And it's out of five stars. Um, and I don't remember three or below, 
But four star poop was you were pooping while like looking at a beautiful scene with animals in it. Mm. And a five star mm. poop was if, you know, beautiful scene, animals in it. But if the animals were pooping with you. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably just a four star, sadly. <laughs> That's epic. Yeah, I feel like it's just the norm. Like if you do these really long races, sometimes you have to poop in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I listened to the Humans of Ultra Running podcast. But on the Humans of Ultra Running, Candace has Catcher Corbett on the podcast, and they talk about how one thing that's kind of hard for uh, women getting into trail running is that things like peeing um, is sometimes harder for women than men because you have to squat down. And, like, that takes a lot out of your legs when you're in the middle of these long, long races. And so it's, like, super taxing. Um, and apparently knowledge gets kind of passed down between women trail runners of, like, how to do that efficiently mm-hmm. and how to, like, squat down in a way that won't make your legs, like, seize up. Um, anyway, I think... Anyone, no matter what genitalia you have, is going to experience that problem when pooping in a trail race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like how in-depth we went. <laughs> yeah, but like I think the point is to normalize that we have these bodily functions. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about them and empower people to do these races and know how to deal with those things when they come up. Definitely. Um, it was also really cool, you know, kind of having all those stomach issues at the beginning of the race. Um, because, you know, I really was able to keep in mind, like, this is a long race things change like my body will get better and if my stomach hurts now but it's probably not gonna hurt for the next 12 hours you know (laughs) so there's hope and I can keep going and um just get stronger as I go Mm -hmm. you know as the time kept ticking um what was kind of going through your mind as you were running as you felt you know the miles kind of be being put behind you a lot of times when I run my mind goes blank (laughs) so I feel like I had less thoughts than I would have thought I'd have um, but there's definitely a point where I just kind of accepted that I was alone out there. There's around, like, just under 30 people in the race. Um, so while we were all together at the beginning, we spread out pretty quickly. I made a running friend for a little while, um, but then we separated, and I was really just by myself, and I kind of started singing songs and making jokes and just keeping things, like, really chill. Also, I don't know if Corey will say this. She's being a little too humble, but our listeners should know that Corey did phenomenal in this race. Um... She got fifth place overall and got second place um, for the women's race. Um, and I know, I'm curious, how like competitive did you feel while you were running? I would say I felt medium competitive. <laughs> um, I really, I tend towards being competitive in general. And going into this race, I was really trying to check that uh, instinct in me because I didn't want to start off too fast. And I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself when there was already such a big task in front of me so that's kind of why I was trying so hard to keep things light and I was just joking around and talking to myself because I really wanted to let go of that competition and let go of even really thinking about time and just be there and be with myself and feel my body moving. I think that's a really healthy way to approach these trail races Um, especially because it was your first 100k like longest race you'd ever done. Oh yeah. So another thing that I'm curious about Corey is what sort of things you know weather etc made it a really hard day? Were there any things that made it a really great day? Um, what are your thoughts on how like the weather conditions or other conditions impacted you? I'd say probably the hardest thing about the race um, was the fact that my my hip and knee started to really hate me um, pretty early on, like around mile 10. Um, and I would just walk for a little bit, try and shake them out, and then go for an extended period without them hurting, and then they'd hurt again. Um, and towards the end, they were really starting to seize up, and it was hard for me to do anything but walk. So that was frustrating. Um, another thing that was difficult was the wind. It was really windy because it was Wyoming. <laughs> there were definitely places where the wind was blowing so hard that I felt like I was barely even moving forward. Um, 
and I tried to just remind myself that I was taking one step at a time, and if it was really hard, then it, they'd just be really small steps. Um, and before the race, Preston told me that um, the worst thing about the wind is that it makes people go crazy because it's so annoying, like the constant sound. And so I really tried to isolate that and be like, if what's bothering you right now is the sound, that's okay. But like, that's not a big deal. Like the sound's not going to hurt you, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this on our podcast a good bit, but I feel like that's one thing I love about trail running. Like if you're doing road races, you know, road racers are incredibly strong people. Um, But I feel like when you're in a road race, that's cited more as like an adverse thing you have to get through, like adverse weather. But I feel like when you're trail running, that's kind of just the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, As you mentioned, just like, thinking about like okay is this actually hurting me or is this just annoying I thought that's really cool yeah I mean the main thing that got me through the really hard parts I would say Tatum is you (laughs) Jeez. um around mile 40 uh Tatum and my partner Preston they um jumped in with me and they paced me for the last uh 22 miles um and so in my head I was really just dividing the race into before Tatum and Preston and after Tatum and Preston <laughs> and um once you guys were with me I just knew that I mean I was gonna finish it might have been really slow but it was really funny because when I got to that aid station finally my knee was really hurting and oh. so you guys were all like hyped up ready to like you know pace me and I was like maybe we could just walk for a while <laughs> yeah um yeah <laughs> especially towards the finish line when things got pretty uphill um, I really relied on you all, and for our listeners who don't know Tatum and Preston personally, they both are very, um, how will I say this? Big uh, people pleasers. Big people. <laughs> and so towards the end, when I was trying to keep on a pace I wanted, but I was also getting really tired and my legs were hurting and I kept wanting to walk, I told them, I was like, guys, I know I look sad, but <laughs> you can tell me just to keep running. I will point out, you know, push through it, made Corey run when perhaps you didn't want to. But it was the most uncommanding command ever. I'd be like, hey, Corey, maybe you want to try running? Like, no big deal, though. If not, it's okay. <laughs> there were lots of woohoos from me, at least. <laughs> yeah, and it was really fun. We were coming into South Pass City. Um, we tried to time our miles for the last few miles to finish right at before sunset, which we achieved and got there with like plenty of minutes to spare, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, I definitely was not sure if I was going to make it towards the end because those last miles just seemed so long. And there's a decent amount of elevation gain in like the last five miles or so, which was pretty hard to not get like super um, down on myself towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty impressed by you. I mean, obviously, I was very impressed that you ran 62 miles and did it you know, so much faster, I think, than any of us were expecting. I think you hit the time that we established would be like on a perfect day this was the time you would hit um but anyway I was so impressed because even when Preston and I you know could maybe tell that you were feeling really down you like weren't super negative about it you know you were super responsive to us being like hey let's pick up the pace and (laughs) I don't know it was super cool to see you so willing to like go after these goals even when you were like already so deep in the run Mm, thank you so Corey what did finishing this race mean to you Finishing the race was really cool for me because I feel like it was proving to myself that I could do this really hard thing that I set my mind out to do two years ago uh, when I texted you and our other runner friends um, about this race. And I wanted to do 100K at that time, and I didn't know anything about trail running, and I had no idea what it would mean to do distance like that. Uh, But I decided I wanted to, and then I got injured, 
and it took me a really long time to be able to run long distances again but then this past season was amazing and we did a lot of hard things and I stayed healthy and I just felt like I could trust my body and trust the knowledge that I'd gained about how to go through a really long race like that because a lot of it is just knowledge of you know what things to eat and how much water to drink and how to handle certain setbacks and stuff like that and I felt like I could pull from all of our experiences this summer and the stuff we've learned through this podcast and you know just keep putting one foot in front of the other until I got to the end really throughout the whole race I was just thinking no matter what like this day is going to end <laughs> and things will be okay um hopefully I'll get to that finish line by the end of the day but you know who knows just gonna keep walking and see what happens yeah and so it was really cool to have like such a big goal like that um and be able to see it through and it makes me feel like I can do other hard things like apply to PhD programs <laughs> <laughs> PhD applications are nothing compared to trail running that's a joke they're certainly not nothing <laughs> but really though I think that's such like a beautiful success story you know how you overcame you know I don't want to say failure right like you pushed through a lot um when we did this race in 2021 but I think it's a really beautiful success story that you didn't like let go of this goal because of one setback that you you know came back a year later with a lot more experience and you know, did this thing that you set out to do two years ago. I think that's really awesome. Wow. Thanks, Tatum. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without Tatum. <laughs> Woo! Preston and I are now prof uh, professional pacers, so if you need anyone to pace your ultra, I guess we're going pro. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have some uh, pretty good pacer bloopers for you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woohoo! Trying to decide. Do you think how many people are running? Would it be unethical to take one of those taco boxes? Dude, Preston. <laughs> I got this giant blister and it popped as I was taking my sock off. And little juices came out. It was so cool. It was so gnarly. No more sweaty shirts. sunglasses, bro. I put new socks on and it like. I thought it would feel good, but it just hurts. Oh, yeah. I was just squeezing my toes. It's so squeezed right now. Might take me a while. <laughs> Dang, I almost pissed my pants over there. But now I'm good. Like straight up, I like was like, and then decided. To. And then decided to. Yeah. So exposed. Wow. Twenty miles is the perfect amount for like wanting a beer I afterwards. Like I don't feel sick, but it sounds. Cool. So those bloopers come from a um, little downtime we had when runners were coming in during the next interview that we have for y'all. Um. This interview is with the race director, as well as one of the people who is in charge of stewardship for the race. Um, and that is how we're going to end out this podcast. It is a super insightful interview, so I'm excited for y'all to hear it. Let's get started. All right, what are both of your names? I'm Jonathan Williams. Uh, folks call me JW, and I, I'm with uh, the National Outdoor Leadership School. My name is Dennis Cook. I'm losing my voice. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm with Everlong Endurance, one of the partner supporters of the event. Cool, awesome. And you guys partially answered one of my first questions, which was going to be, what is your role in today's race? Um, so I know you kind of shared what you do, but what does that look like when you're putting on an event like today? I'd say I'm incredibly enthusiastic about outdoor places and know almost nothing about ultra marathons and ultra running. But uh, I do know how to be organized, so I support Dennis as our race director and get a show up here representing a nonprofit with some other nonprofits, uh, the Wyoming Outdoor Council and the Wyoming Wilderness Association, and we just do the conservation stewardship side of this and then try to bring in the volunteers and uh, figure out what we can do for the Red Desert. 
Cool, awesome. I know that's one of my like favorite parts of this race is how much you push like advocacy yeah. for this land. Yeah, what about you, Dennis? So I, I'm race director, although I try to sort of shun that title since I don't really know what it means. Weren't you going for the title Trail Boss earlier I would, I was, I've been trying to <laughs> switch to Trail Boss, yeah. but it's not really taking hold. Um, I like to compare my role to like a glorified wedding planner in that <laughs> most of the work is done, hopefully, way in advance and come game time. Yeah. Ideally, I have nothing to do. Um, and today was actually pretty close. There was a few moments where I putzed on the computer, but by and large, I think my role is trying to identify all the identify all of the moving pieces, identify all of the risks, and hopefully have a plan around each of those. And then working with JW and other sort of other what I would call kind of the core volunteers, lieutenants, to then guide the rest of the event. And cool. similarly, a lot of yelling, a lot of clapping, <laughs> yeah. um, just oh, trying yeah. to be super enthusiastic. I, mean, I think my primary role today was cheerleader, like, and my voice is also almost almost completely gone. <laughs> that, that really is a huge part of it. In that, yeah. from the volunteer perspective, I think all told we had probably seventy volunteers, and most wow. of them, yeah. obviously safety safety consideration, runner accountability consideration, but by and large, it's just keeping a certain energy level so yeah. that runners are stoked all day long. Yeah, that's awesome. So you guys have been going since four ish. Is that when the hundred k check in? Three fifteen. Alarm, wow. Alarm went off at 3.15 this morning, yep. yes. Wow. Yep. And will you stay here until the last 100K runner comes through? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sweet. We're going to spark up some bonfires, hang out. Um, the cutoff is midnight. We tend to be pretty liberal with how we interpret cutoffs. And a cutoff is just when the race is over. Um, so I think from what we're seeing from paces, we'll probably be up here until about 1 a.m. and then we'll okay. turn in. Sweet. That's yeah. awesome. I know from all of us who have run this race, we really appreciate like the effort that goes behind it. Yeah. Um, and I know, JW, you said you haven't really done ultra marathons. Would this yeah. perhaps make you want to try? It's okay if the answer is no. <laughs> you don't have uh, to lie. I wouldn't, I've never asked this question. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> to be honest, I would like to do, I don't know if I'm capable of 100 without serious, serious training, but I would be excited to do the 50. Yeah. yeah. And there's a part of me that wants to do it next year, but we'll have to figure out how it. to plug in some gaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some we'll talk about later. Yeah, well, I, I looked at Dennis when I said that. <laughs> You're like, ooh. <laughs> One of our steering committee is what we, you know, that group of lieutenants I mentioned. Uh -huh. um, one of them, John Burroughs, in fact, he ran the half marathon this year. So we were oh, cool. he finished fourth, I believe, fourth yeah, or fifth. But I guess, Dennis, do you run ultra marathons? Uh, I do. Um, not as much as I used to. So I, I got into race directing, sort of accidentally, was basically trying to find or building races that I would want to run myself, um, kind of like small friends and family events. It kind of grew from there. But yeah, I started running ultras 15 years ago. Oh, cool. So, and I used to do probably seven to ten a year. Now I do, hopefully, two. I've got two little girls and a wife, oh, so that yeah. that has changed how I think about how I spend my spare time. But yeah, I try to do yeah two races a year, and I always try to do one new race a year. And I kind of think of it as like glorified hiking, in which, I, in a fairly consolidated period of time, I get to see an entirely new place. So like, yeah. this past year, um, went to Hawaii, which was amazing. Year before that, uh, well, I guess two years before that, was in a part of Idaho I'd never been to before, just a different oh, section cool. of mountain. So. Yeah, try to try to do two a year. That's sweet. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know when we first did this race, we had never been. I I don't know. I'd never been to the Red Desert. Have oh, you? Really? Yeah. I grew up in Casper, but I was only here a couple times. Yeah. I think that's that's, that's the narrative. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like joke with people. It's kind of a pass-through place. It's like it's uh -huh. on the way to the Tetons. It's on the way to Yellowstone. It's on the way to Lander. Um, very few folks, myself included, actually stop and uh -huh. get out. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit, like when. When they first engaged me about this race, working with them, ever long supporting the event, I'd never heard of the Red Desert. Yeah. And something we struggled with is trying to capture the landscape, landscape, excuse me, in a way that, like, flooring pictures, and it's just so hard to do that. 
And I, when I first saw, like, did my own research, I thought, like, this doesn't seem that interesting. But then when you're here, it is such a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When you're up top and the views are literally 60 miles, mm-hmm. that, that's what changed my mind. I also think there's something that's unique with how long these races are, too. It's people got to South Pass. They actually couldn't even see this really sweet town that we're in. They didn't see the color of the Aspens. They go mm-hmm. flung out into the middle of nowhere desert. <laughs> And then, you know, come back and, you know, we'll light up the fires here. We're going to, like, have this total connection moment that is, you know, I've, like, bopped around to a lot of different places. And um, I still think it it is. I think, you know, you said flooring. Like, it is. uh, I think there's, like, something magical. And, like, last night I was, like, sleeping out on a cot, looking up at the Milky Way, listening to the coyotes, and was, like, you know, kind of freezing cold because it was windy. But, like, (laughs) it was awesome. And I think, you know, it's, it's fun to be a part of it. And, you know, so many people came across you know, the finish line or the aid station, it was like, oh, I just saw this, or I, you know, I just, like, fell over in the beaver dam, but then I saw a pronghorn, and that was worth <laughs> it, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, when you're in the business of getting people into cool places, it's pretty special, and the Red Desert is, I think, one of those places, and so is South Pass, and the state park that we're in right now is really cool. And one of the reasons we sort of have a minimalist footprint here with the race is to let the landscape and this village do the talking. You know, yeah. we don't want a giant finish line arch that's going to uh-huh. consume the space yeah. that will be visually detracting. Mm-hmm. We'd rather just keep it low-key and work with what we got. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, JW and Dennis, for the awesome interview. Um, that's all we have for you today. Make sure to stay tuned for our next episode where we interview Nick Clark um, of NAR Runners. Thank you to KCSU for supporting this podcast. Thanks to the FOCO running community for being awesome, and to all of you, our listeners. The music to this podcast was composed by Martin Tong and accessed through Universal Production Music. You can check out our podcast on the KCSU website, the KCSU app, and Spotify. Happy trails! Until next time. (laughs) 